Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we'll read chapters 3 and 4 of a new series that we started called The Lost... Well, one of the books that we've started in that series is called The Lost Hero. Now, a quick recap of what happened in the previous episode. Jason, we are introduced to a new set of people who are named Jason... Piper and Leo. Now Jason is uh, apparently has lost his memories. So he's basically an amnesiac. And uh Piper is his girlfriend and Leo is his best friend at this school for I guess you could say troubled kids. So they all three go on a field trip to where they meet to where Jason meets the coach, well, which coach is actually a satyr. But however, they always said heroes always gotta face some kind of trouble, right? So of course they meet a storm spirit who was hiding uh, in the school all along, uh, as disguised as a person but they are able to fight the storm spirit off kind of because the satyr actually descends into the sky with the as it is fighting with the storm spirit so we never where we don't really know what happened to the coach and annabeth and uh and we are and annabeth with a chariot as well as another uh, another uh, person named Butch, they both come together to pick up Jason, Piper, and Leo and take them to Camp Half-Blood because they are assumed that they are Half-Bloods. So now we will see whether... Uh, we will see if they get claimed and if they are Half-Bloods. So now we will read Chapter 3, Piper. After a morning of storm after a morning morning of storm spirits, goat men and flying boyfriends, Piper should have been losing her mind. Instead, all she felt was dread. It's starting, she thought, just like the dream said. She stood in the back of the chariot with Leo and Jason, while the bald guy, Butch, handled the reins, and the blonde girl Annabeth adjusted a bronze navigation device. They rose over the Grand Canyon and headed east, icy wind ripping straight through Piper's jacket. Behind them, more storm clouds were gathering. The chariot lurched and bumped. It had no seatbelts and the back was wide open. So Piper wondered if Jason would catch her again if she fell. That had been the most disturbing part of the morning. Not that Jason could fly, but that he'd held her in his arms and yet didn't know who she was. All semester, she'd worked on a relationship trying to get Jason to notice her as more than a friend. Finally, she gunned the big dope to kiss her. The last few weeks had been the best of her life. And then, three nights ago, the dream had ruined everything. That horrible voice giving her horrible news. She hadn't told anyone about it. Not even Jason. Now she didn't even have him. It was like someone had wiped his memory and she was stuck in the worst do-over of all time. She wanted to scream. Jason stood right next to her. The sky blue eyes, closed, cropped blonde hair, the cute little scar on his upper lip. His face was kind and gentle, but always a little sad. And he just started at the, he just stared at the horizon, not even noticing her. Meanwhile, Leo was being annoying as, as usual. This is so cool. He spit a Pegasus feather out of his mouth. Where are we going? 
A safe place, Ambit said. The only safe place for kids like us. Camp Half-Blood. Half-Blood? Piper was immediately on guard. She hated that word. She'd been called a half-blood too many times, half Cherokee, half white, and it was never a compliment. Is that some kind of bad joke? She means we're demigods, Jason said, half god, half mortal. Ambit looked back. You seem to know a lot, Jason, but yes, demigods. My mom is Athena, goddess of wisdom. Butch here is the son of Iris, the rainbow goddess. Leo choked. Your mom is a rainbow goddess? Got a problem with that? Butch said. No, no, Leo said. Rainbow's very macho. Butch is our equestrian, Ambit said. Gets along great with the pegasi. Rainbows, ponies, Leo muttered. I'm gonna toss you off this chariot, Butch warned. Demigods, Piper said. You mean you think you're... You think we're... Lightning flashed. The chariot shuddered and Jason yelled, Left wheels on fire! Piper stepped back. Sure enough, the wheel was burning. White flames lapping up the side of the chariot. The wind roared. Piper glanced behind them and saw dark shapes forming in the clouds. More storm spirits spiraling toward the chariot. Except these looked more like horses than angels. She started to say, Why are they... Animoi come in different shapes. Annabeth said, sometimes humans, sometimes stallions, depending on how chaotic they are. Hold on, this is going to get rough. Butch flicked the reins. The pegasi put on a burst of speed and the chariot blurred. Piper's stomach crawled into her throat. Her vision went black and when it came back to normal, they were in a totally different place. A cold gray ocean stretched out to the left. Snow-covered fields, roads, and forests spread to the right. Directly below them was a green valley like an island of springtime, rimmed with snowy hills on three sides and water to the north. Piper saw a cluster of buildings like ancient Greek temples, a big blue mansion, ball courts, a lake, and a climbing wall that seemed to be on fire. But before she could really process all she was seeing, their wheels came off and the chariot dropping and dropped out of the sky. Ambeth and Butch tried to maintain control. The Pegasi labored to hold the chariot in a flight pattern, but they seemed exhausted from their burst of speed. And bearing the chariot in the weight of five people was just too much. The lake! Ambit yelled, aim for the lake! Piper remembered something her dad had once told her, about hitting water from up high being as bad as hitting cement. And then boom! The biggest shock was the cold. She was underwater, so disoriented that she didn't know which way was up. She just had time to think. This would be a stupid way to die. Then faces appeared in the green murk. Girls with long black hair and glowing yellow eyes. They smiled at her, grabbed her shoulders and hauled her up. They tossed her, gasping and shivering onto the shore. Nearby, Butch stood in the lake, cutting the wrecked harnesses off the pegasi. Fortunately, the horses looked okay, but they were flapping their wings and splashing water everywhere. Jason, Leo, and Annabeth were already on shore. Sure, sure was surrounded by kids giving them blankets and asking questions. Somebody took Piper by the arms and helped her stand. Apparently, kids fell into the lake a lot, because a detail of campers ran up with big, big bronze leaf blower-looking things and blasted Piper with hot air. Hot air. And in about two seconds, her clothes were dry. There were at least twenty campers milling, milling around. The youngest, maybe nine, the oldest college age, 18 or 19, and all of them had orange t-shirts like Annabeth's. 
Piper looked back at the water and saw the strange girls just below the surface. Their hair floating in the current, they waved like toodaloo and disappeared into the depths. A second later, the wreckage of the chariot was tossed from the lake and landed nearby with a wet crunch. Annabeth! A, gu- a guy with a bow and quiver on his back pushed through the crowd. I said you could borrow the chariot, not destroy it. Will, I'm sorry, Annabeth sighed. I'll get it fixed, I promise. Will scowled at his broken chariot. Then he sized up Piper, Leo, and Jason. These are the ones way older than 13. Why haven't they been claimed yet? Claimed? Leo asked. Before Annabeth could explain, Will said, Any sign of Percy? No, Annabeth admitted. The campers muttered. Piper had no idea who this guy Percy was, but his disappearance seemed to be a big deal. Another girl stepped forward, tall, Asian, dark hair, in ringlets, plenty of jewelry, and perfect makeup. Somehow she managed to make jeans and an orange t-shirt look glamorous. She glanced at Leo, fixed her eyes on Jason like he might be worthy of her attention, then curled her lip at Piper as if she were a weak old burrito that had just been pulled out of a dumpster. Piper knew this girl's type. She tell she dealt with a lot of girls like this at wilderness school and every other stupid school her father had sent her to. Piper knew instantly they were going to be enemies. Well, the girl said, I hope they're worth the trouble. Leo snorted. Gee, thanks. What are we, your new pets? No kidding, Jason said. How about some answers before you start judging us? Like, what is this place? Why are we here? How long do we have to stay? Piper had the same questions, but a wave of anxiety washed over her. Worth the trouble. If they only knew about her dream, they had no idea. Jason, Ambit said, I promise we'll answer your questions. And Drew, she frowned at the glamour girl. All demigods are worth saving, but I'll admit the trip didn't accomplish what I'd hoped. Hey, Piper said, we didn't ask to be brought here. Drew sniffed. And nobody wants you, hun. Does your hair always look like a dead badger? Piper stepped forward, ready to smack her, but Annabeth said, Piper, stop. Piper did. She wasn't a bit scared of Drew, but Annabeth didn't seem like somebody she wanted for an enemy. We need to make our new arrivals feel welcome, Annabeth said with another pointed look at Drew. We'll assign them a gu- each a guide, give them a tour of camp. Hopefully by the campfire tonight, they'll be claimed. Would somebody tell me what claimed means? Piper asked. Suddenly, there was a collective gasp. The campers backed away. At first, Piper thought she'd done something wrong. Then she realized their faces were bathed in a strange red red light, as if someone had lit a torch behind her. She turned and almost forgot how to breathe. Floating over Leo's head was a blazing holographic image. A fiery hammer. That, Emmett said, is claiming. What did I do? Leo backed toward the lake. Then he glanced up and yelled, Is my hair on fire? He ducked, but the symbol followed him, bobbing and weaving, so it looked like he was trying to write something in flames with his head. This can't be good, Butch, Butch muttered. The curse. Butch, shut up! Ambit said, Leo, you've just been claimed. By a god, Jason interrupted. That's the symbol of Vulcan, isn't it? All eyes turned to him. Jason? Ambit said carefully. How did you know that? I'm not sure. Vulcan? Leo demanded. I don't even like Star Trek. What are you talking about? Vulcan is the Roman name for Hephaestus, Ambit said. The god of blacksmiths and fire. The fiery hammer faded, but Leo kept swatting the air like he was afraid it was following him.
The god of what? Who? Ambit turns to the guy with the bow. Will, will you, would you take Leo, give him a tour, introduce him to his bunkmates in cabin, cabin 9? Sure, Annabeth. What's cabin 9? Leo asked, and I'm not a Vulcan. Come on, Mr. Spock, I'll explain everything. Will put a hand on his shoulders and steered him off toward the cabins. Abbott turned her attention back to Jason. Usually, Piper didn't like it when other girls checked out her boyfriend, but Annabeth didn't seem to care that he was a good-looking guy. She studied him more like he was a complicated blueprint. Finally, she said, Hold out your arm. Piper saw what she was looking at, and her eyes widened. Jason had taken off his windbreaker after his dip in the lake, leaving his arms bare and on the inside of his right forearm was a tattoo. How had Piper never noticed it before? She looked at Jason's arms a million times. The tattoo couldn't have just appeared, but it was darkly etched, impossible to miss. A dozen straight lines like a barcode, and over that, an eagle with the letters SPQR. I'd never seen marks like this, Annabeth said. Where'd you get them? Jason shook his head. I'm getting really tired of saying this, but I don't know. The other campers pushed forward, trying to get a look at Jason's tattoo. The marks seemed to bother them a lot, almost like a declaration of war. They look burnt into your skin, Ambit noticed. They were, Jason said. Then he winced as if his head was aching. I mean, I think so. I don't remember. No one said anything. It was clear the campers saw Annabeth as the leader. They were waiting for her verdict. He needs to go straight to Chiron, Ambit decided. Drew, would you? Absolutely. Drew laced her arm through Jason's. This way, sweetie. I'll introduce you to our director. He's an interesting guy. She flashed Piper a smug look then and led Jason toward the big blue house on the hill. The crowd began to disperse, only until Annabeth and Piper were left. Who's Chiron? Piper asked. Is Jason in some kind of trouble? Ambit hesitated. Good question, Piper. Come on, I'll give you a tour. We need to talk. And that is the end of chapter three. Well, looks like Leo is a son of Hephaestus. Now we'll just wait to see who's, uh, who, which, which god will claim both Piper and Jason. But yeah, it's pretty confusing why Jason muttered the Roman names. And it, it sure seemed like Annabeth was also pretty confused as to how Jason remembered the Roman names even and knows all this info even though he's he has amnesia but i guess we'll see later on in the book hopefully what it is, what is his reason behind him getting amnesia and yeah what uh, possibly who are the godly parents of both jason and piper but until then after this break we'll read chapter four piper And we're back from the ads, and now we'll read Chapter 4, Piper. Piper soon realized Annabeth's heart wasn't in the tour. She talked about all this amazing stuff the camp offered. Magic archery, pegasus riding, the lava wall, fighting monsters. But she showed no excitement, as if her mind were were elsewhere. She pointed out the open-air dining pavilion that overlooked Long Island Sound. Yes, Long Island, New York. They traveled that far on the chariot. Amba explained how Camp Half-Blood was mostly a summer camp, but some kids stayed stayed here year-round. And it added so many campers, it was always crowded now, even in winter. Piper wondered who ran the camp, and how they'd known Piper and her friends belonged here. 
she wondered if she'd have to stay full time or if she'd be if she'd be any good at the activities. Could you flunk out of monster fighting? A million questions bubbled in her head, but giving, given Annabeth's mood, she decided to keep quiet. As I climbed a hill at the edge of camp, Piper turned and got an amazing view of the valley. A big stretch of woods to the northwest, a beautiful beach, the creek, the canoe lake, lush green fields, and the whole layout of the cabins. A bizarre uh, assortment of buildings arranged like the Greek Omega with a loop of cabins around the central green and two wings sticking out at the bottom of either, either side. Piper counted 20 cabins in all. One glowed golden, another silver. One had grass on the roof, another was bright red with barbed wire trenches. One cabin was black with fiery green torches out front. All of it seemed like a different world from the snowy hills and fields outside. The valley is protected from mortal eyes, Ambit said. As you can see, the weather is controlled too. Each cabin represents a Greek god, a place for that god's children to live. She looked at Piper like she was j trying to judge how Piper was handling the news. You're saying mom was a goddess? Ambit nodded. You're taking this awfully calmly. Piper couldn't tell her why. She couldn't admit that this, this just confirmed some weird feelings she'd had for years. Arguments she'd had with her father about why there were no photos of mom in the house. And why dad would never tell her exactly how or why her mom had left them. But mostly the dream had warned her this was coming. Soon they will find you, demigod. That voice had rumbled. When they do, follow our directions, cooperate, and your father might live. Piper took a shaky breath. I guess after this morning, it's a little easier to believe. So, who's my mom? You should know soon. Ambit said, you're what, 15? Gods are supposed to claim you when you're 13. That was the deal. The deal? They made a promise last summer. Well, long story. But they promised not to ignore their demigod children anymore. To claim them by the time they, thir they turn 13. Sometimes it takes a little longer, but you saw how fast Leo was claimed once he got here. Should happen for you soon. Tonight at the campfire. I bet we'll get a sign. Piper wondered if she'd have a big flaming hammer over her head, or with her luck, something even more embarrassing. A flaming wombat, maybe. Whoever her mother was, Piper had no reason to think she'd be proud to claim a kleptomaniac daughter with massive problems. Why 13? The older you get, Annabeth said, the more monsters notice you, try to kill you. Round 13 is usually when it starts. That's why we send protectors into the schools to find you guys, get you to camp before it's too late. Like Coach Hedge? Ambit nodded. He's he he was a sa satyr. Half man, half goat. Satyrs work for the camp, finding demigods, protecting them, bringing them in when the time is right. Piper had no trouble believing Coach Hedge was half goat. She'd seen the guy eat. She'd never liked the coach much, but she couldn't believe he'd sacrificed himself to save them. What happened to him? she asked. When he up and when he went up into the clouds, did did he Is he gone for good? Hard to say, Ambit's expression was pained. Storm spirits, difficult to battle. Even our best weapons, celestial bronze, will pass right through them unless you can catch them by surprise. Jason's sword just turned them to dust, Pi remembered. He was lucky then. If you hit a monster just right, you can dissolve them. Send, send their essence back to Tartarus. Tartarus? A huge abyss in the underworld where the worst monsters come from. Kind of like a bottomless pit of evil. 
Anyway, once monsters dissolve, it usually takes months, even years, before they can reform again. But since the storm spirit Dylan got away, well, I don't know why he'd keep Hedge alive. Hedge was a protector, though. He knew the risks. Satyrs don't have mortal souls. He'll be reincarnated as a tree or a flower or something. Piper tried to imagine Coach Hedge as a clump of very angry pansies. That made her feel even worse. She gazed at the cabins below, and an uneasy feeling settled over her. Hedge had died to get her here safely. Her mom's cabin was down there somewhere, which meant she had brothers and sisters. More people she'd have to betray. Do what we tell you, the voice had said, or the consequences will be painful. She tucked her hands on her arms, trying to stop them from shaking. It'll be okay, Amber promised. You have friends here. We've all been through a lot of weird stuff here. We know what you're going through. I doubt that, Piper thought. I've been kicked out of five different schools the past five years, she said. My dad's running out of places to put me. Only five? Emma didn't sound like she was teasing. Piper, we've all been labeled troublemakers. I ran away from home when I was seven. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Most of us are, di- most of us are diagnosed with attention deficient disorder or dyslexia or both. Leo's ADHD, Piper said. Right. It's because we're hardwired for battle, restless, impulsive. We don't fit in with regular kids. You should hear how much trouble Percy... Her face darkened. Anyway, demigods get a bad rep. How'd you get in trouble? Usually when someone asked that question, Piper started a fight or changed the subject or caused some kind of distraction, but for some reason, she found herself telling the truth. I steal stuff, she said. Well, not really steal... Is your family poor? Piper laughed bitterly. Not even. I did it. I don't know why. For attention, I guess. My dad never had time for me unless I got in trouble. Ambit nodded. I can relate. But you say you didn't really steal. What do you mean? Well, nobody ever believes me. The police, teachers, even the people I took stuff from. They're so embarrassed they'll deny what happened. But the truth is, I don't steal anything. I just ask people for things, and they give me stuff, even a BMW convertible. I just asked, and the dealer said, sure, take it. Later, he realized what he'd done, I guess. Then the police came after me. Piper waited. She was used to people calling her a liar, but when she looked up, Annabeth just nodded. Interesting. If your dad were the god, I'd say you're a child of Hermes, god of thieves. He can be pretty convincing, but your dad is mortal. Very, Piper agreed. Ambit shook her head, apparently mystified. I don't know then. With luck, your mom will claim you tonight. Piper almost hoped it wouldn't happen. If her mom was a, were a goddess, would she know about that dream? Would she know that Piper had been asked to what has had been asked to do? Piper wondered if Olympian gods ever blasted their kids with lightning for being evil, or grounded them in the underworld. Ambit was studying her. Piper decided she was gonna have to be careful from what she said from now on. Ambit was obviously pretty smart, if anyone could figure out Piper's secret. Come on, Ambit said at last. There's something I need to check. They hiked a little farther until they reached a cave near the top of the hill. Bones and old swords littered the ground. Torches flanked the entrance, which was covered in a velvet curtain embroidered with snakes. It looked like the set for some kind of twisted puppet show. What's in there? Ambit poked her head inside, then sighed and closed the curtains. Nothing right now. A friend's place. I've been expecting her for a few days, but so far nothing. Your friend lives in a cave? 
Amit almost managed to smile. Actually, her family has a luxury condo in Queens, and she goes to a finishing school in Connecticut. But when she's here at camp, yeah, she lives in a cave. She's our oracle, tells the future. I was hoping she could help me find Percy, Piper guessed. All the energy drained out of Annabeth, like she'd been holding it together for as long as she could. She sat down on a rock, and her expression was so full of pain, Piper felt like a voyeur. She forced herself to look away. Her eyes drifted to the crest of the hill, where a single pine tree dominated the skyline. Something glittered in its lowest branch, like a fuzzy gold bath mat. No, not a bath mat. It was a sheep's fleece. Okay, Piper thought. Greek camp, they've got a replica of the golden fleece. Then she noticed the base of the tree. At first, she thought it was wrapped in a pile of massive purple cables. But the cables had reptilian scales clawed feet and a snake-like head with yellow eyes and smoking nostrils that's a dragon she stammered that's the actual golden fleece Ambit nodded but it was clear she really wasn't really listening her shoulders drooped she rubbed her face and took a shaky breath sorry a little tired you look ready to drop Piper said. How long have you been searching for your boyfriend? Three days, six hours, and about twelve minutes. And you've got no idea what happened to him? Amber shook his head ner- her, her head miserably. We were so excited because we both started winter break early. We met up at camp on Tuesday, figured we had three weeks to get, uh, to get together. It was going to be great. Then after the campfire, he... He kissed me goodnight, went back to his cabinet, and in the morning he was gone. We searched the whole camp, we contacted his mom, we tried to reach him every way we know how. Nothing. He just disappeared. Piper was thinking. Three days ago. The same night she'd had her dream. How long were you guys together? Since August, Annabeth said. August 18th. Almost exactly when I met Jason, Piper said, but we've only been together a few weeks. Annabeth winced. Piper. About that... Maybe you should sit down. Piper knew where this was going. Panic started building inside her. Looked like her lungs were filling with water. Look, I know Jason thought... He thought he just appeared at her school today. But that's not true. I've known him for four months. Piper, Abbott said sadly. It's the mist. Mist what? Mist, M-I-S-T. It's a kind of veil separating the mortal world from the magic world. Mortal minds, they, they can't process strange stuff like gods and monsters. So the mist bends reality. It makes mortals see things in a way they can't understand. Like their eyes might just skip over this valley completely. Or they might look at that dragon and see a pile of cables. Piper swallowed. No, no, you said yourself I'm not a regular mortal. I'm a demigod. Even demigods can be affected. I've seen it lots of times. Monsters infiltrate some places like a school, pass themselves off as human, and everyone thinks they remember that person. They believe he's always been around. The mist can change memories, even create memories of things that never happen. But Jason's not a monster, Piper insists. He's a human, he's a human guy or demigod or whatever you want to call him. My memories aren't fake. They're so real. The time we said Coach Hedge's pants on fire, the time Jason and I watched a meteor shower on the dorm roof, and I finally got that stupid guy to kiss me. She found herself rambling, telling Annabeth about her whole semester at wilderness school. She'd like Jason from the first week they'd met. 
He was so nice to her and so patient. He could even put up with hyperactive Leo and his stupid jokes. He accepted her for herself and didn't judge her because of the stupid things she'd done. They spent hours talking, looking at the stars, and eventually, finally, holding hands. All that couldn't be fake. Ambit pursed her lips. Piper, your memories are a lot sharper than most. I'll admit that. And I don't know why that is, but if you know him so well, I do! Then where is he from? Piper felt like she'd been hit between the eyes. He must have told me, but... Did you ever notice his tattoo from before today? Did he ever tell you anything about his parents or his friends or his last school? I I don't know, but... Piper, what's his last name? Her mind went blank. She didn't know Jason's last name? How could that be? She started to cry. She felt like a total fool, but she sat down on the rock next to Annabeth and just fell to pieces. It was too much. Did everything that was good in her stupid, miserable life have to be taken away? Yes. The dream had told her, yes, unless you do exactly what we say. Hey, Ambit said, we'll figure it out. Jason's here now. Who knows? Maybe we'll work out with you guys for real. Not likely, Piper thought. Not if the dream had told her the truth, but she couldn't say that. She brushed a tear from her cheek. You brought me up here so no one would see me blubbering, huh? Ambit shrugged. I figured it would be hard for you. I know what it's like to lose your boyfriend. But I still can't believe. I know we had something, and now it's just gone? Like, he doesn't even recognize me? If he really did just show up today, then why? How'd he get there? Why can't he remember remember anything? Good questions, Ambit said. Hopefully, Kyron can figure that out. But for now, we need to get you settled. You ready to go back down? Piper gazed at the crazy assortment of cabins in the valley. Her new home? A family who supposedly understood her, but soon, they'd be just another bunch of people she disappointed. Just another place she'd been kicked out of. You'll betray them for us, the voice had warned. Or you'll lose everything. She didn't have a choice. Yeah, she lied. I'm ready. On the central green, a group of campers was playing basketball. There were incredible shots. Nothing bounced off the rim. Three-pointers went in automatically. Apollo's cabin, Abbott explained. Bunch of show-offs with missile weapons, arrows, basketballs. They walked past the central fire pit where two guys were hacking at each other with swords. Real blades, Piper noted. Isn't that dangerous? That's sort of the point, Ambit said. Uh, sorry, bad pun. That's my cabin over there, number six. She no- she nodded to a gray building with a carved owl over the door. Through the open doorway, Piper could see bookshelves, weapon displays, and one of those computerized smart boards they have in classrooms. Two girls were drawing a map that looked like a battle diagram. Speaking of blades, Ambit said, Come here. She led Piper around the side of the cabin to a big metal shed that looked like it was meant for gardening tools. Ambit unlocked it, and inside were not gardening tools, unless you wanted to make war on your tomato plants. The shed was lined with all sorts of weapons, from swords to spears to clubs like Coach Hedges. Every demigod needs a weapon, Ambit said. Hephaestus makes the best, but we have a pretty good selection too. Athena's all about strategy, matching the right weapon to the right person. Let's see. Piper didn't feel like much. Piper didn't feel much like shopping for deadly objects, but she knew Annabeth was trying to do something nice for her. 
Ambit handed her a sword, which Piper could hardly lift. No, they both said at once. Ambit rummaged a little farther in the shed and brought out something else. A shotgun? Piper asked. Mossberg 500. Ambit checked the pump action like it was no deal. Don't worry, it doesn't hurt humans. It's modified to shoot celestial bronze, so it only kills monsters. Um, I don't think that's my style, Piper said. Mm, yeah, Ambit agreed. Too flashy. She put the shotgun back and started poking through a rack of crossbows when something in the corner of the shed caught Piper's eye. What is that? She said. A knife? Ambit dug it out and blew the dust off the scabbard. It looked like it hadn't seen the light of day in centuries. I don't know, Piper. Ambit sounded uneasy. I don't think you want this one. Swords are usually better. You use a knife? Piper pointed to the one strapped to Ambit's belt. Yeah, but... Ambit shrugged. We'll take a look if you want. The sheath was worn black leather, bound in bronze. Nothing fancy, nothing flashy. The polished wood handle fit beautifully in Piper's hands. When she unsheathed it, she found a triangular blade 18 inches long, bronze gleaming like it had been polished yesterday. The edges were deadly sharp. A reflection in the blade caught her, caught her by surprise. She looked older, more serious, not as scared as she felt. <clears throat> it suits you, Abbott admitted. That kind of blade is called a parazonium. It was mostly ceremonial, carried by high-ranking officers in the Greek armies. It showed you were a person of power and wealth, but in a fight, it could protect you just fine. I like it, Piper said. Why didn't you think it was, it was right? Ambeth ex exhaled. That blade has a long history. Most people would be afraid to claim it. Its first owner, well, things didn't turn out too well for her. Her name was Helen. Piper let that sink in. Wait, you mean THE Helen? Helen of Troy? Ambit nodded. Suddenly, Piper felt like she should be handling the dagger with surgical gloves. And it's just sitting in your tool shed? We're surrounded by ancient Greek stuff, Ambit said. This is a museum. Weapons like that. They're meant to be used. There are heritage as demigods. That was a wedding present from Menelaus, Helen's first husband. She named the dagger Catopitris, meaning mirror, Ambit said. Looking glass, probably bad because that's the only thing Helen used it for. I don't think it's ever seen battle. Piper looked at the blade again. For a moment, her own image stared up at her, but then the reflection changed. She saw flames and a grotesque face like something carved from bedrock. She heard the same laughter as in her dream. She saw her dad in chains tied to a post in front of a roaring bonfire. She dropped the blade. Piper? Ambit shouted to Apollo kids on the core. Medic, I need some help over here. No, it's, it's okay. Piper managed. You sure? Yeah, I just... She had to control herself. With trembling fingers, fingers, she picked up the dagger. I just got overwhelmed. So much happening today. But I want to keep the dagger, if that's okay. Annabeth hesitated, then she waved off the Apollo kids. Okay, if you're sure. You turn really pale there. I thought you were having a seizure or something. I'm fine, Piper promised, though her heart was still racing. Is there um, a phone at camp? Can I call my dad? Annabeth's gray eyes were almost as unnerving as the dagger blade. She seemed to be calculating a million possibilities, trying to read Piper's thoughts. We aren't allowed phones. 
She said, most demigods, if they use a cell phone, it's like sending up a signal, letting monsters know where you are. But I've got one. She slipped it out of her pocket. Kind of against the, rule, uh, the rules, but it can be her secret. Piper took it gratefully, trying not to let her hands shake. She stepped away from Annabeth and turned to face the commons area. She called her dad's private line, even though she knew what would happen. Voicemail. She'd been trying for three days, ever since the dream. Wilderness school only allowed phone privileges once a day, but she called every evening and got nowhere. Reluctantly, she dialed the other number. Her dad's personal assistant answered immediately. Mr. McLean's office. Jane, Piper said, gritting her teeth. Where's my dad? Jane was silent for a moment, probably wondering if she could get away with hanging up. Piper, I thought you weren't supposed to call from school. Maybe I'm not at school, Piper said. Maybe I ran away to live among the woodland creatures. Mm. Jay didn't sound concerned. Well, I'll tell him you called. Where is he? Out. You don't know, do you? Piper lowered her voice, hoping Annabelle was too nice to eavesdrop. When are you going to call the police, Jane? He could be in trouble. Piper, we are not going to turn this into a media circus. I'm sure he's fine. He does take off occasionally. He always comes back. So it's true. You don't know. I have to go, Piper. Jane snapped. Enjoy school. The line went dead. Piper cursed. She walked back to Annabeth and handed her the phone. No luck? Annabeth asked. Piper didn't answer. She didn't trust herself not to start crying again. Annabeth glanced at the phone display and hesitated. Your last name is McLean? Sorry, it's not my business, but that sounds really familiar. Common name. Yeah, I guess. What does your dad do? He's got a degree in the arts, Piper said automatically. He's a Cherokee artist. Her standard response, not a lie, just not the whole truth. Most people, when they heard that, figured her dad sold Indian souvenirs at a road stand on a reservation, sitting bull bobbleheads, wampum necklaces, and big chief tablets. That kind of thing. Oh, Amba didn't look convinced, but she put the phone away. You feeling okay? Want to keep going? Piper fastened her new dagger to her belt and promised her that herself that later, when she was alone, she'd figure out how it worked. Sure, she said. I want to see everything. All the cabins were cool, but none of them struck Piper as hers. No burning signs, wombats, or otherwise appeared over her head. Cabin 8 was entirely silver and glowed like moonlight. Artemis? Piper guessed. You know Greek mythology, Annabeth said. I did some reading when my dad was working on a project last year. I thought he did Cher- Cherokee art. Piper bit back a curse. Oh, right, but, you know, he does other stuff too. Piper thought she'd blown it. McLean, Greek mythology? Thankfully, Annabeth didn't seem to make the connection. Anyway, Annabeth continued, Artemis is goddess of the moon, goddess of hunting, but no campers. Artemis was an internal maiden, so she doesn't have any kids. Oh, that kind of bumped Piper out. She always liked the stories of Artemis and figured she'd make a cool mom. Well, there are the hunters of Artemis, Annabeth amended. They visit sometimes. They're not the children of Artemis, but they're not her handmaidens. This band of immortal teenage girls who adventure together and hunt monsters and stuff. Piper perked up. That sounds cool. They get to be immortal? Unless they die in combat or break their vows. Did I mention they have to swear off boys? No dating. Ever. For eternity. Oh, Piper said. Never mind. 
Ambit laughed. For a moment, she almost lo- she looked almost happy. And Piper thought she'd be a cool friend to hang out with in better times. Forget it, Piper reminded herself. You're not going to make any friends here. Not once they find out. They passed the next cabin, number 10, which is decorated like a Barbie house with lace curtains, a pink door, and pot- potted carnations in the windows. They walked by the doorway, and the smell of perfume almost made Piper gag. Gah! Is that where supermodels go to die? Ambit smirked. Aphrodite's cabin. Goddess of love. Drew is the head counselor. Figures. Piper grumbled. They're not all bad, Ambit said. The last head counselor we had was great. What happened to her? Ambit's expression darkened. We should keep moving. They looked at the other cabins, but Piper just got more depressed. She wondered if she could be the daughter of Demeter, the farming goddess. Then again, Piper killed every plant she ever touched. Athena was cool, or maybe Hecate, the magic goddess. But it didn't really matter. Even here, where everyone was supposed to find a lost parent, she knew she would still end up the uh, the unwanted kid. She was not looking forward to, to to the campfire tonight. We start with the twelve. We started with the twelve Olympian gods. Ambeth explained: male gods on the left, female on the right. Then last year, we added a whole bunch of new cabins for the other gods who didn't have thrones on Olympus. Hecate, Hades, Iris. What are the what are the two big big ones on the end? Piper asked. Zeus frowned. I mean, Annabeth frowned. Zeus and Hera, king and queen of the gods. Piper headed that way, and Annabeth followed, though she didn't act very excited. The Zeus cabin reminded Piper of a bank. It was white marble with big columns out front, and polished bronze doors emblazoned with lightning bolts. Hera's cabin was smaller, but done in the same style, except the doors were carved with peacock feather designs, shimmering in different colors. Unlike the other cabins, which were all noisy and open and full of activity, the Zeus and Hera cabin looks closed and silent. Are they empty? Piper asked. Ambit nodded. Zeus went a long time without having any children. Well, mostly. Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades, the eldest brother, uh, brothers among the gods. They're called the Big Three. Their kids are really powerful, really dangerous. For the last 70 years or so, they try to avoid having demigod children. Tried to avoid it? Sometimes they, uh, um, cheated. I've got a friend, Talia Grace, who's the daughter of Zeus, but she gave up camp life and became a hunter of Artemis. My boyfriend, Percy, he's a son of Poseidon, and there's a kid who shows up sometimes, Nico, son of Hades. Except for them, there are no demigod children of the big three gods, at least not that we know of. And Hera? Piper looked at the peacock-decorated doors. The cabin bothered her, though she wasn't sure why. Goddess of marriage. Annabeth's tone was carefully controlled, like she was trying to avoid cursing. She doesn't have kids with anyone but Zeus, so yeah, no demigods. The cabin's just honorary. You don't like her, Piper noticed. We have a long history, Annabeth admitted. I thought we made peace, but when Percy disappeared, I got this weird dream vision of her. Telling you to come get us, Piper said, but you thought Percy would be there. It's probably better if, if I don't talk about it, Ambit said. I've got nothing good to say about Hera right now. Piper looked down at the base of the doors. So who goes in, th- in here? No one. The cabin is just honorary, like I said. No one goes in. Someone does. Piper pointed at a footprint on the dusty threshold. On instinct, she pushed the door open and they swung open easily. 
Ambit, step back. Um, Piper, I don't think we should... We're supposed to do dangerous stuff, right? And Piper walked inside. Hera's cabin was not someplace Piper would want to live. It was as cold as a freezer, with a circle of white columns around a central statue of the goddess, ten feet tall, seated on a throne in flowing golden robes. Piper had always thought of Greek statues as white with blank eyes, but this one was brightly painted so it looked almost human, except huge. Hera's piercing eyes seemed to follow Piper. At the goddess's feet, a fire burned in a bronze breezy air. Piper wondered who tended it if the cabin was almost em always empty. A stone hawk sat on Hera's shoulder, and in her hand was a staff topped with a lotus flower. The goddess's hair was done with black plates. Her face smiled, but the eyes were cold and calculating, as if she were saying, Mother knows best. Now don't cross me or I'll have to step on you. There was nothing else in the cabin. No beds, no furniture, no bathroom, no windows. Nothing that anyone could actually use to live. For a goddess of home and, home and marriage, Hera's place reminded Piper of a tomb. No, this wasn't her mom. At least Piper was sure of that. She hadn't come in here because she felt a good connection, but because of her sense of dread was stronger here. Her dream, that horrible ultimatum she'd been handed, had something to do with this cabin. She froze. Behind the statue at a little altar in the back stood a figure covered in a black shawl. Only her hands were visible, palms up. She seemed to be chanting something like a spell or a prayer. Amba gasped. Rachel? The other girl turned. She dropped her shawl, revealing a mane of curly red hair and a freckled face that didn't go with the seriousness of the cabin or the black shawl at all. She looked about 17, a totally normal teen in a green blouse and tattered jeans covered with marker doodles. Despite the cold floor, she was barefoot. Hey, she ran to give Annabeth a hug. I'm so sorry, I came as fast as I could. They talked for a few minutes about Annabeth's boyfriend and how there was no news, etc. Until finally, Annabeth remembered Piper, who was standing there feeling uncomfortable. I'm being rude. Annabeth apologized. Rachel, this is Piper, one of the half-bloods we rescued today. Piper, this is Rachel Elizabeth Dare, our oracle, the friend who lives in the cave. Piper guessed. Rachel grinned. That's me. So you're an oracle? Piper asked. You can tell the future? More like the future mugs me from time to time, Rachel said. I speak prophecies. The oracle's spirit kind of hijacks me every once in a while and speaks important stuff that doesn't make any sense to anybody. But yeah, the prophecies tell the future. Oh, Piper shifted from foot to foot. That's cool. Rachel laughed. Don't worry. Everybody finds a little creepy, even me. But usually, I'm harmless. You're a demigod? Nope, Rachel said. Just mortal. Then what are you... Piper waved her hand around the room. Rachel's smile faded. She glanced at Annabeth, then back at Piper. Just a hunch. Something about this cabin and Percy's disappearance. They're connected somehow. I've learned to follow my hunches, especially the last month since the gods went silent. Went silent? Piper asked. Rachel frowned at Annabeth. You haven't told her yet? I was getting to that, Annabeth said. Piper, for the last month... Well, it's normal for the gods not to talk to their children very much, but usually we can count on some messages now and then. Some of us can even visit Olympus. I spent practically all semester at the Empire State Building. Excuse me? The entrance to Mount Olympus these days. Oh, Piper said. Sure, why not? Emmett was redesigning Olympus after it was damaged in the Titan War. 
Rachel explained. She's an amazing architect. You should see the salad bar. Anyway, Abbott said, starting about a month ago, Olympus fell silent. The entrance closed and nobody, no one can get in. Nobody knows why. It's like the gods have sealed themselves off. Even my mom won't answer my prayers. And her camp director, Dionysus, was recalled. Your camp was the god of wine? Yeah, it's a long story. Piper guessed. Right, go on. That's it, really, Ambit said. Demigods still get claimed, but nothing else. No messages, no visits, no sign the gods are even listening. It's like something has happened. Something really bad. Then Percy disappeared. And Jason showed up on our field trip, Piper supplied. With no memory. Who's Jason? Rachel asked. My... Piper stopped herself before she could say boyfriend, but the effort made her chest hurt. My friend... But Annabeth, you said Hera sent you a dream vision. Right, Annabeth said. The first communication from a god in a month. And it's Hera, the least helpful goddess. And she contacts me, her least favorite demigod. She'll te she tells me I'll find out what happened to Percy if I go to the Grand Canyon skywalk and look for a guy with one shoe. Instead, I find you guys. And the guy with one shoe is Jason. It doesn't make sense. Something bad is happening. Rachel agreed. She looked at Piper, and Piper felt an overwhelming desire to tell them about her dream. To confess that she knew what was happening. At least part of the story. And the bad stuff was only beginning. Guys, she said, I, I need to... Before she could continue, Rachel's body stiffened. Her eyes began to glow with a greenish light, and she grabbed Piper by the shoulders. Piper tried to back away, but Rachel's hands were like steel clamps. Free me. She said, but it wasn't Rachel's voice. It sounded like an older woman speaking from somewhere far away down a long, echoing pipe. Free me, Piper McLean, or the earth shall swallow us. It must be by the solstice. The room started spinning. Abbott tried to separate Piper from Rachel, but it was no use. Green smoke enveloped them, and Piper was no longer sure if she was awake or dreaming. The giant statue of the goddess seemed to rise from its throne. It leaned over Piper, its eyes boring into her. The statue's mouth opened, its breath like horribly thick perfume. It spoke in the same echoing voice. Our enemies stir. The fiery one is only the first. Bow to his will and their king shall rise, dooming us all. Free me! Piper's knees buckled and everything went black. And that is the end of chapter four. Wow, that was very interesting. And I really want to know who's asking Free Me. I wonder who that woman is. It's so many questions are rising, and I just can't wait to find out this all out. And I still hope that Jason gets his memories back. I Poor dude, he doesn't even know what he's supposed to do. And how he even gets the information that he just blurts out sometimes. But yeah, we'll just see what that wh who Piper is supposed to free, and how the McLeans are connected to Greek mythology somehow. But until then, stay safe and stay out of boredom.